because I really do believe the best is yet to come. There's some good stuff that I think has happened in this church, but I think God doesn't give all the good stuff away at the beginning. I think some other good stuff is coming. And I want to give you an opportunity just for a second to know a little bit about me so you'll know some things. Uh, there's selective things I'm not going to tell you, obviously. Uh, so, uh, But there's some people in here who have known me for a while that will probably fill you in on that stuff. It's, it's uh, not by accident that today I'm going to get a chance to stand up and tell you this few minutes about me. And that's on Mother's Day because I had a drug problem earlier. Yes, I was drugged to church all the time by my mom. And uh, I am so thankful that my mother got up in spite of the fact that my dad was not involved in church. And she took that responsibility to bring me to church on a regular basis. So, hey, let me speak on the other side for a second. We got Father's Day. It's going to come up in a few days. But let me say this. Men, don't ask your wives to be the spiritual leader of your home. You take the initiative. Now, I'm preaching to the choir because you're all the men, you're all here. And yay, that's good. But uh, it's our responsibility and what we deal with. Well, moms have their responsibility. We have ours. But thank goodness my mom stepped up to the plate and took the responsibility to get me to church all the time. Uh, I was, uh, if you've been in church for a good bit, uh, I was uh, uh, involved in VBS. Anybody, anybody here ever been on a VBS parade? You know what that is? You get in the cars and you ride up and down back in the old days. You'd ride up and down neighborhoods, stick your head out the window and say, come to vacation Bible school. I was an RA. Anybody know what an RA is? There you go. Royal ambassador. Absolutely. And uh, so I had an opportunity to go on overnight adventures and scared to death, never been out of my house and didn't know where I would go to the bathroom and didn't go the whole time I was gone. Uh, I, you know, I was a mama's boy. What can I tell you? But uh, my mother brought me to church. Uh, I will tell you that at 10 years old, we were singing just as I am. I remember the song. I remember the moment that I understood standing there. I did the typical grab a hold of the pew. But there was an understanding in my heart that I realized what it meant to have that stain of sin in my life. I realized that God was perfect and I wasn't. And that there was a fix for that, and that fix was Jesus. And I remember coming down, and that I went to the big pastor's office uh, later on during that week, and we had a chance to sit and talk. And I remember that was a big deal. It was like going to the principal's office. But I'm telling you, we had an opportunity. I still have a little bitty white Bible, Pastor. You remember when they used to give uh, red Bibles and white Bibles? I have, a, I have a red Bible, excuse me, white ones for girls. I have a red Bible that has that date right in the front when I accepted Christ, April uh, of uh, 1963. As, uh, uh, so now you can figure out my age if you want to. So, uh, but I knew and remember exactly what it was. My word and my story goes like this. I did follow Christ all the way through high school, but unfortunately, once I left Mobile, where my hometown is, and went to New York, um, I, I got in some bad influences. So teenagers, let me tell you this. Who your friends are, and adults, who your friends are does matter. Because your friends can lead you in directions. My faith was not strong enough to stand up to them. And uh, you're going to, if you know more about me, know that there were 10 years of difficult years that I brought on a lot of pain, not only to my life, but to other people's lives. And I remember that a friend of mine, I'd traveled in a group before, and uh, that group was in town. And uh, the, the leader of that group, sort of like the group that was here Sunday last week, the leader of the group called me and said, would you come to concert? I was in New Orleans. And uh, I was unfortunately living the New Orleans lifestyle. And I didn't want to go. But a friend of mine w went with me. 
And we sat, the door was in the center of the worship center. We came in and there was a row right there. We sat on the two chairs right beside the door. I was literally one step out of exiting the building. I don't remember actually saying that, that I was planning on leaving. But my whole body language where I sat, it was, here's what I knew. That I was in God's house and I, had, I knew I felt like I didn't belong. And I was reminded again that day that God not only uniquely loved me one day when I accepted him, but that love didn't stop on that day that he still loved me. And I remember keep saying over and over, but God, you know what I've done. You know the things that have happened in the last 10 years. And I just keep hearing God say to me, it doesn't matter. I still love you. And I thought, wow, that's an incredible thought. But you know what? Later as months go on, and all of a sudden I got back in my Bible again. I started reading and experiencing what God was telling me. I realized that part of my prayer was still this. But God, you would never use me again. I know, I think I'm convinced that you still love me, but you'd never use me again. Certainly not the way that you did earlier in my life. And I stand here today as a testimony to this, not of my greatness, not of my knowledge, but of the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I can use anybody, anytime, in spite of their past, if they'll just humble themselves and come before me, ask for forgiveness and seek my face. So I don't care what you are today or what you've done. God doesn't care because his mercy and grace is bigger than that in your life. It doesn't matter how ugly or how bad you think that sin is. God didn't just come to forgive the easy stuff. He came to forgive the hard sins that are in our lives, the difficult things we've done, the rebellion that we exist in our life. I told Pastor, why in the world would a worship guy find themselves in the Old Testament digging around in one of the, in one of the prophets? But I have no idea what I was doing. But years later uh, in that process, I found myself in Zephaniah. And I found a verse that since then has remained my life verse. Uh, you want to go back and look at it in regular translation. It's Zephaniah three seventeen, and And actually, it says, the Lord will rejoice over you with singing. One commentator said this, it's as if you've had children, you know this. You've had grandchildren, you know this. There's a time when the child's going to bed, and you may tell me right now, I can't sing. But in that moment when you're in the room with your child, and they're about to go to sleep, you don't care, you'll sing to them. In your little, you think, bad, monotone voice, you'll sing them a song. And have you, are you like me? Have you ever made up a song to them? And just said something like, yeah, you have, haven't you? I've done that. Where you just say, you know, your daddy loves you. You know, just sing a song to your child. Commentator said this. God has a song just about you. He has a song that's all based around who you are and how much he loves you. He doesn't have one generic song for everybody. It's a very personal song to you. And when God sings over you, it's not a generic song. Oh, I love. He doesn't say Jesus loves all the people of the world. It says, Jesus says, I love you. And he sings over me. Let me read that to you in the message. I love this. It says, don't be afraid. Some of us walk through life afraid. Don't despair. That's easy for us. Your God is present among you. He is a strong warrior there to save you. He's happy to have you back. He'll calm you with his love, and he delights over you with songs. So today, may we remember 
that as we look at the Lord's Supper, as we sing together, as we hear and open God's Word together, I hope this is what you get, that what we do and celebrate here is for all of mankind, absolutely. What we're celebrating is the fact that Christ died for all, but He died for you as well. You don't have to earn it. I'm proof to that. You don't have to be good enough. I'm proof of that. All you have to do is have Him in your life. And when you do, then you can sing this chorus easily. You can look at what we're singing and say, Jesus paid it all. It's Mother's Day, and one of the things that both mothers and fathers do in trying to teach their children and to entertain them is to teach them nursing rhymes. You you remember some of these nursery rhymes from your childhood. Uh, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. What's the rest? Okay, good. You were listening when you were a child. And also as an adult, you've communicated that to children and grandchildren. There are other nursery rhymes. There's little Miss Muffet. You know, she sat on a tuffet, okay? I'm not sure what a tuffet is. Children don't ask. We, We learn other nursery rhymes. We learn about Humpty Dumpty and his great disaster as he fell from a wall. But there's another one that we all learned as a kid. It's about a a girl named Mary and a lamb. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Do you remember in that nursery rhyme book, you had a picture of Mary there. And then you had that image of this little white lamb. For most of us, that's where we get our idea about lambs. I mean, honestly, most of us don't have, most of us don't have lambs around our house. Most of us didn't grow up in an environment where we had flocks, we had sheep and goats and things like that. Some of you may have, but for most of us, our real tangible experience with a lamb is maybe going to a petting zoo or something like that. For most of us, That idea of a lamp, it's a concept for us. It's an image that has been painted because of nursery rhymes and pictures we've seen in books and, and maybe little figurines or little stuffed animals. These little precious, gentle, innocent lambs. That's where we get our idea. Now, for us, it's a concept, but that's not the case in, um, It's not the case back in Jesus' time and really in ancient times. For them, uh, sheep, goats, lambs, they were a real reality. There were flocks around. One of the neat things that we had an opportunity to do, this was kind of cool, when we went to to Bethlehem, there was a concert there. The Sons of Jubal were, were having a part of their concert was there in Bethlehem. And we were up on a hill out, it's very hilly everywhere, but we were on a hill and we were able to, we had a pretty good view of some of the hills around Bethlehem. And as we looked out on there, I mean, I guess the tourist bureau could have stuck them out there. I doubt it. There were herds, flocks. There were sheep and little lambs out on the hillside. Now, we didn't see the shepherds out on the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. We were there during the daytime. 
But it was kind of neat because I zoomed in as close as I could get. And when I went back and looked at one of the pictures, what did I see there? I saw a shepherd sitting on a rock with that flock all around him. They still have in their time, it's still a little more of a reality than it is for us. For us, again, it's a concept. But for them, lamb were important. Those flocks, they provided wool, which made clothing and and blankets to keep them warm. They provided milk. The flocks provided the milk so that and, and, and cheese so that they'd have sustenance. There was meat. Yes, they ate them. Little fluffy lambs. Sorry. Gets worse. Because lambs were also a very important part of the religious and sacrificial system in that time. So they not only killed them to eat them, they also killed them as a sacrifice. Now, this sounds kind of barbaric to us, and, and I guess in a, in a sense with our refined images of Mary and her little lamb, uh, I, I guess it is that way. But in that time, lambs were slaughtered in Israel for one primary reason, because there was sin in the world. And God had set up a system whereby lambs were sacrificed because of the sins of people. In fact, in the temple in Jerusalem, twice a day, nine in the morning, three in the afternoon, a lamb was slaughtered for the people's sin. And as the lamb was slaughtered, what would happen is a a priest would get the shofar, the ram's horn, and would blow the ram's horn because not everybody was there to see that the sheep was being offered as a sacrifice. Not everybody was there. And so the sound of the ram's horn being blown was a reminder to everyone around, everyone in the city of Jerusalem, as they heard that sound in the morning, as they heard that sound in the afternoon, it was a reminder for them that this lamb had died because of their sin. But as you got out beyond Jerusalem, as you got into the little villages, as you went out into the barren areas where people pitched tents or lived in hovels, they couldn't hear the sound. The lambs were still dying morning, afternoon, day after day after day, and yet they never heard it. Now, there were other times, certainly, when more lambs died. There were celebrations and feasts and festivals and Jewish holidays. But again, these took place in Jerusalem. It was away from the people. And so this reality of human sin and and blood being shed for it, that's what Hebrews 5.22 tells us. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. It became for them more of a concept, an, an idea. It wasn't tangible except one day a year. And that was the Passover. In preparation for the Passover, every household was to have a lamb. A lamb without spot, without blemish. 
And so a few days before the Passover, it was the responsibility of the head of the home, the father typically of the home, to go out and to secure the lamb and to bring the lamb back home. Where the lamb would live with them for a few days. Now it gets personal. When it's off in the temple somewhere where, where it, it's just a concept, it's just an idea, where there's distance and space, where you can't see the blood or even hear the ram's horn. It's way out there somewhere. You know it's happening, but it has a reality for you. But when you bring the lamb home, things change. You hear its sounds. You smell it. You feel it. Probably mom is feeding it because that's what moms do, right? And the children, they all want to play with it and hold it like it's a pet. And I will guarantee you, because children haven't changed that much, not only will they want to hold it and play with it, they want to what? Name it. Oh, it's always dangerous when an animal is named. And so this animal, for a few days at least, becomes a part of the household. But on the Passover, the reality comes. Because you see, that lamb was only there for one reason. He was there with them a short period of time. For one reason, he came to die. And so on the Passover, the blood of that lamb would be poured out and they would remember as they sat down how God delivered the people of Israel as the blood was placed around the frame of the house and the angel of death passed over that home. And they would remember, and they still, they still do that today. What made the Passover different was that the reality of the blood being poured out for sin, the reality of the blood redeeming sinners was brought home. It was made even more real and more tangible because this is our lamb. And it will die. And it's dying because of me. In John chapter 1 verse 29, this brings everything really, we, we began to really experience this when we think about the whole concept of the Passover and the Passover lamb, we begin to understand it a little better in John one twenty nine. because here's John, John the Baptist, John who is out in the wilderness, John who is baptizing, John who is calling people to repentance. Along comes Jesus. We read in John one twenty nine these words, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, look, see, the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. Look. Look there. 
There he is. For years, you've been gathering in your homes and you've been celebrating Passover and you've talked about the lamb. You've told the story of deliverance. You've told the story of redemption by the blood of the lamb. Behold, look, there's the lamb. Who's taken away not just the sin in your home, but who takes away the sin of the world. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, some words that we need to hear this morning as he reflected. Remember, Jesus uh, and Peter were there in that upper room for that last supper. And, and here, here are Peter's words beginning in verse 18. For you know... That it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Listen, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, a perfect lamb. He was chosen before the creation of the world. Remember, it was the responsibility of the father to go and to choose the lamb. He was chosen for the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times. What you celebrated for years and years and years with only limited knowledge in these last days, in these last times, it's been revealed for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Jesus is our Passover lamb. We need to remember that as we come to the table here in a few minutes. Jesus is our Passover lamb. It was his blood that was shed, was poured out. It was his body that was given because remember in the Passover meal, they not only shed the blood of the lamb, but they were to eat, the, eat that lamb. It was to be, become a part of them that very evening. We're here to remember not only the story of the Passover, we're here not only to remember the story of Jesus' sacrifice. For you see, that's not the end of the story. The cross, the cross, as significant as that is for us, was not the end of the story. But can I tell you, neither was the empty tomb. That's not the end of the story. It's part of the story. It's an important part of the story. The cross and the resurrection, we don't separate those two things. Those things, two things belong together. But what I would like you to do, we've already been way back. <laughs> we've already been way back before the creation of the world as God chose the Lamb. We've been to the Passover. We've sat at the Last Supper. We've heard, we've heard John the Baptist proclaim, Behold the Lamb. But I'd like for you to walk with me all the way to the back part of Scripture to Revelation chapter 5, because you see, the lamb is mentioned there too. This is a rather lengthy portion of Scripture, but I just want to share it with you this morning. And I, I want you to listen. You can go back and read this this afternoon, but I want you to listen. I want you to hear this now. If it helps for you to focus, to close your eyes as you listen, that's fine. But I want you to hear what John writes. Remember, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. And so he's probably somewhere in a cave with an olive oil lamp burning. And God comes and he reveals 
this to John. And this is, what he, this is what he writes from that revelation. Then I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and in his hand was a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion, the king, the victorious king, he can open the scroll. Listen. Then I saw a lamb. Look look at this. This is so important. Get this. The elder says, listen, the lion, the victorious lion, the king, he is able to open the scroll. And so I turned my eyes to see the lion and I saw a lamb. And that lamb was looking as if it had been slain. A victorious lion and a lamb that looks like it's been slain. These images, let these get into... This This is not Mary had a little lamb in the same sense as a nursery rhyme. But this is Mary's little lamb born in Bethlehem. Mary's little lamb who grew up to be a victorious king who defeated death and hell by rising from the dead. But I looked and I saw a lamb. It looked as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb... Now, now this, is, this is what I'm telling you. Don't get this image of what you saw in a, in a book. Uh, don't get this image because it says here, And the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each, had one, each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Golden bowls full of incense. What is this? It tells us right here. Which are the prayers of God's people. Do you, re- you think when you pray, you, you go, my prayers are not, they're not getting out of this room. My prayers are just bumping off the ceiling and coming back. No, God's, God's got those prayers. They're in golden bowls in heaven. And it says bowls of, golden bowls of incense. What was the purpose of incense? Incense added an aroma. Your prayers are like a sweet aroma to God. They are held in heaven. Your prayers get out of the room. They get beyond the ceiling. They're in the very presence of God. Well, we could, boy, there's a lot in here. We're not going to spend all that time. But look at verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons of every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. And then I looked 
and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 time 10,000 and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. That's pretty inclusive. (laughs) Saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. When you read a little portion of scripture, maybe in your daily devotional, can I tell you that is not disconnected from the rest of this book. And God weaves his truth throughout scripture. He connects it. And yes, there were human authors who penned this. Human authors whose personality comes through in the words. But you need to understand the author of this word is God himself and he has a message for us it begins before the creation of the world and ends in a time that's yet to be revealed when Jesus the lamb chosen before the creation of the world when Jesus the Passover lamb behold look and see him when Jesus will be recognized for his sacrifice and recognized for his victory and all of redeemed creation will praise him. Good news is we don't have to wait till then to start. We can do that now. Because this is as certain, matter of fact, it is more certain than yesterday's news. It is more certain than any book of nonfiction you have ever read. It is more certain than any truth that you know. For this truth is eternal. And we have a lamb. We have a lamb. We have a lamb who is also the lion of Judah. And so we're here today. We're here to celebrate that Jesus is indeed the Passover lamb. His blood was shed for sin. His body was given. We remember that today as we come here in a few moments and share together in the Lord's Supper. God delivered a Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. He delivered them through the Passover lamb. And they came together and they remember and they celebrated But God sent another lamb. Jesus' son. Who also paid a price. To deliver us from the bondage of sin. And Jesus also gave us a meal to remember. A table to celebrate. And I hope and pray that your hearts are being prepared by the Spirit of God to come and celebrate it this morning. Jesus is our Passover lamb. He is the lamb without spot, without blemish. He is the once for all perfect sacrifice. That's why every year we don't go pick out a lamb and bring him to die on the Passover. Because Jesus...
put an end to the need for it. His blood perfectly paid the price for our sins. He is the risen Savior, and He is the Lamb who is celebrated by all of redeemed creation, by myriads of angels, by the 24 elders, and by the four living creatures, and by us. And so when you come to the table this morning, listen. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away your sin. I want to do things a little differently this morning as music is being played and before we come to this table, there's some of you who may need to do some business with God. And so this is your time. You say, do business with God. What are we doing here? What what is this moment that you're talking about? Why Why is this time sacred? Why are you setting apart? Shouldn't we just come to the table and grab all this with joy? Yes, but we've got a hurdle to get there. You see, Christianity is not about just rituals that are observed from time to time. It's about a relationship that we have with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. A relationship that we enter into of our own accord. None of you will ever be dragged kicking and screaming into heaven Maybe you were dragged dragged, kicking and screaming to church at one time. But listen, maybe it was today. But you'll never be dragged kicking and screaming into heaven. But you are always invited. God's arms are open wide for anyone who needs to come and to receive his son as Savior. This morning, if you need that, I'm going to invite you to come. But it's not only about a relationship with the Father. It's also about a relationship with one another. For you see, we're not just redeemed and then it's us and God against the world. In the New Testament, it's a very foreign concept for a person to receive Jesus Christ but not belong to the body of Christ. To receive Jesus but not connect intimately in the life of a church. Some of you need to connect. That is what God is calling you to do today. But those relationships get strained, don't they? Somebody says something, does something. Maybe maybe they did it accidentally. Maybe it was on purpose. Maybe they were lashing out. And you're sitting here in this room today and You recognize, you know what? These people are my family. We belong to one another. We're in this together. And I need to take the time this morning to go and to extend the hand of grace and mercy and to say, please, will you forgive me? My words hurt you, would you forgive me? My actions hurt you, would you, would you forgive me? I want to be restored. I want us to be one. That's what God wants for us. And, and this argument that we've had, this dispute, 
It makes me carry bitterness and anger, unforgiveness in my heart. And when I come to this table today, I, I, need, I need to dump that stuff before I share in the Lord's Supper, before I put that precious blood in my mouth, the bread in my mouth, before I do that, I need to be right. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. This is your time to respond. I'm not, we're not going to stand and sing this morning. But if you need to make a decision for Christ, if you need this morning to connect with the body of Christ, if you need to go to someone in this room right here, right now, and to humbly ask forgiveness or extend forgiveness, or if you just need to come before God, say, Lord, my relationship with you is there, but it is my, I have no fellowship with you. I've been living way off, and I'm ready to come back to you. Then use this time as an altar. So if you'll close your eyes and bow your heads, I just want to pray for you, and I want to ask you, just get up from your seat and come forward if you have a decision to make this morning so we can join with the angels and celebrate.